All right, well, today we have reached the uh, final sermon in our Improve Your Life in 2017 series. And I know some of you kind of like to know where we're going in the future with our uh, sermons, and so I thought I'd just give you a little bit of a sneak peek. So uh, after today, we'll spend a few weeks leading up to Easter in uh, just standalone messages. We won't be in a series. And then on Easter, I'm going to try my best to figure out something to talk about. And then uh, the, week, the week after Easter, we're going to uh, enter into a series uh, on the great stories from the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament is just full of a lot of really interesting stories, and they all have spiritual lessons that we can draw uh, from them. And so that's what we're going to be doing, and I'm kind of looking forward to spending some time in the Old Testament, and uh, we'll probably do that through about uh, early to mid-June. And then sometime in June, we'll be leaving these topical series for a while and uh, likely be taking a look at the New Testament books of 1st, 2nd, and Third John. So for those of you who kind of like to have an idea what to expect, that's uh, what I think at least is coming up. I hope you found the Improve Your Life series to uh, be beneficial, to be helpful. And I hope that if you've missed any weeks in this series, that you'll go online and either listen or uh, watch the ones you missed and get caught up. I, I really believe that the scriptures have given us a lot of good counsel uh, during this series about uh, how we can improve our lives if we will apply the things that we've seen in the Bible. You know, we saw in the first week that if we want to improve our lives, we need to enthrone God on our lives. We need to take ourselves down off the throne. We need to put God uh, on the throne. We found in the series that we need to connect with God more if we want to see our lives improve. We found that we need to, to rest more. And everybody seemed to agree with that one. We found that uh, we need to choose better thoughts and that we need to dream some big dreams in our lives and we need to persevere when perseverance is necessary to see those fulfilled. We found that our lives can be improved if, we're, if we become people who take more initiative in life. We uh, heard from Assistant Pastor Ben a very good message that our lives improve if we uh, become people who get offended less often. And that's, uh, that was a really good message. And uh, we found that we can improve our lives by seeking good counsel, by keeping our commitments. And then last week, we found that our lives improve if we become people who never give up. We just refuse uh, to give up. And so today, to wrap up the series, I want us to consider that our lives can improve as we choose to appreciate the gift that life is, as we choose to view life and embrace life as a gift. We see in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that life is a gift. You know, God created the world and everything that's in it. He created man and uh, placed him in this world, placed him in the Garden of Eden, placed him in paradise. And then things got even better for Adam because God created woman and gave man and woman to each other. And he gave them together everything that he had created for their enjoyment and for them uh, to take care of. And so in the very first chapter of the Bible, life is presented as a gift from God to mankind. And you see this affirmed throughout the scriptures. One of the places is Acts 17, 25, which tells us that God himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. It comes from God. Life, breath, and everything else came to us from the hand of God. And when we see infants and young children like we just dedicated this morning, we are reminded of what a gift, a special gift, a life is. You know, we live in a fallen world, but 
even in this fallen world, we just see so many wonderful things that if we pay attention, we look around, we come to understand that life really is a gift. And often we're most aware of this when we take in, when we experience the beauty of God's creation. I mean, when you stand at the ocean and you hear the waves and you just see the beauty of it all, you know that you're the recipient of a really special gift. When you leave the flatlands of uh, western uh, Kansas and eastern Colorado, beautiful in their own way, and the front range of the Rocky Mountains uh, comes up into your view, and then if you're heading into, say, Colorado Springs and you see Pikes Peak in front of you, or if you're you know, privileged to go up to the top of Pikes Peak and you look out uh, west from there, you just see how beautiful it is. We made it to 12,000 feet before we were afraid to go any further, so we, we saw the view from 12,000 feet. Um, those roads are treacherous, by the way. Uh, but you brave souls enjoy the ride up to the top of uh, Pikes Peak. But when you take in the beauty of all that, you know that you are the recipient uh, of a gift. When you sit around a table with friends and you have good food and good conversation and you, you share a lot of laughter, you know that life is a gift and that you've been given a really great gift. When God speaks to you through art, maybe a song or a uh, a painting or a movie, you know that you're the, you're the recipient of a great gift. Even here in Pataskala, when you drive through the back roads of Pataskala in late summer and you see the corn or the soybeans and it's just beautiful. And, and if you're open to, to having God communicate to you, it's, it's like God is saying to you when you take these beautiful sceneries in, life is my gift to you. When you can sit on your front porch during a steady rain or walk across a meadow where uh, freshly fallen snow is covering it, you know that you're the recipient, the recipient of a great gift. When you gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ like we've done here today and we lift up our voices in praise to God and, you, you know, sometimes those, uh, those times of worship, they, like God just reveals himself in a special way to us and it's different for for each person each week. Some of you had that experience today where God just like manifested himself to you in a special way as we sang praises to him. When that happens, you know that life is a gift and that you're experiencing something uh, really wonderful. Life is a gift. And on some level, most of us recognize this at least, uh, at, least at times. But there is another reality to life that if we're not careful damages our ability to view and embrace and appreciate life as the gift that it is. And Job chapter 14 verses one and, through, uh, one and two tell us of this other reality about life. Here's what it says. Mortals born of woman are of few days and full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away like fleeting shadows they do not endure. That was the NIV. That's the only one we have on the screen, but I want to read it from the ESV. Man who is born of a woman is few days, uh, few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And then from the New Living Translation, how frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble we blossom like a flower and then wither like a passing shadow. We quickly disappear. 
And if that isn't enough good news for you, then we go to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And this also tells us of this other reality of life. Here's what James writes. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So life is a gift. But there's this other reality of life that can compromise our ability to appreciate and embrace and view life and treat life as the gift that it is. This other reality is that life is also like a flower that withers. It's also like a fleeting shadow. It's also like a mist that vanishes. It's short. It doesn't last very long. It's here, we have it. And then it's over, it's gone. Even the people who live the longest lives, their lives are really brief. My grandmother is 93 years old. That is old. (laughs) 93 years old. But do you realize that's, I mean, in one sense, this number I'm about to give you sounds kind of big, but but if you really think about it, it's really, it's just not. That's 4,836 weeks. Not much. Not much. The average person in Ohio makes it to around 78. That's 4,056 weeks, uh, 28,470 days. Not very much. Most people in this room probably earned more dollars in the past year than you have days in your life. It's not a lot. Adam and Eve, you know, probably lived somewhere between six and 10,000 years ago. And uh, it, whether it's six or 10,000, they're somewhere between 312,000 and 520,000 weeks in history since Adam and Eve. My grandmother has lived a decade and a half longer than the average person, and she still only has 4,836 of those. The point is, life is short. It goes quick. We really are like the flower that blooms, and then seemingly as quick as it bloomed, it withers and dies. We really are like the mist, the fog, that that appears in the morning, and then it's gone before noon. And this reality of life, that it's temporary, that it's brief, can really mess up our experience of the other reality of life, that it's a gift. The second reality hangs over our heads and it can mess up the very best moments in our lives. We can be standing on the banks of that beautiful ocean, beholding the grandeur of it, and and we should be saying, wow, what a gift life is. And that moment can be ruined because we start thinking about our mortality. And instead of thinking, what a gift it is that I'm beholding this, we think, I'm not always going to be able to do this. Depending on your age, you might think, this might be the last time I do this. And it messes up our ability to appreciate life as a gift. 
Life goes so quick. I'm 47 years old, and I can't believe I'm 47 years old. I just can't believe it. I know you guys can't believe it either, but it's true. I'm 47 years old. Teenagers and young adults hold the door for me. Well, not often. It doesn't happen often. But when they do hold the door for me, uh, they will hold the door and they will um, call me sir. Like, why are you calling me sir? We're the same age. (laughs) But we're not the same age. People that look really old to me talk to me as if we're in the same stage of life. (laughs) And after feeling really bad for them that they think we're the same age, I realize that we are. And then I realize that I look as old to them as they look to me. And then I just go get in bed and cover my head with the covers Life goes so fast, so fast. I'm convinced that life can be improved if we can live it without allowing the second reality of life to overshadow the first and primary reality of life. Life is improved if we can embrace it as a gift and become people who are well-adjusted to its brevity. So I want to talk about appreciating life as a gift for a few minutes, embracing life as a gift. And here's something that is vitally important to realize about gifts. We have no right to a gift. We have no right to a gift. Gifts are all voluntary on the part of the giver. We don't have a right to them. It's true, sometimes receiving a gift is a customary thing, but it's never a right. If someone gives you a wedding gift, you get married and they give you a wedding gift, they might be doing that in part because it's customary to do so, but it always remains voluntary. It's always voluntary for the person to give a gift. You have no right to that gift. On birthdays and Christmas, the gifts we receive are voluntary expressions of love from those who give us the gift. We do not have a right to them. Uh, Of course, many of us have people in our families who, you know, like get confused about this and, and treat the gifts that they're anticipating as though they are a right. I'm sure none of you in here are like that. But sometimes you see that. People start to think that They have a right to a gift. And just like sometimes people get a little off track and start thinking that the gifts they receive on these special occasions are rights, sometimes we get off track and we start to think that this gift of life is a right. That we have a right to it. And if we view life as a right, then the brevity of it feels like an injustice. And when the brevity of life feels like an injustice, then the reality that our lives are like a flower that withers feels as though we are being personally wronged. And this is how the second reality of life overshadows the first and primary reality of life and how it destroys our ability to appreciate the first and primary reality. 
It destroys our ability to appreciate and embrace life as a gift. You see, we often, and I admit that this is true of me, often, we often view life as an entitlement. But it isn't. It's a gift. It's all grace. It's all unmerited. If I cling to the notion that I'm entitled to life, the reality of life's brevity is always going to haunt me. It's very likely going to frustrate me. It's very likely going to anger me. And it's very likely to cause me to feel like life and God himself are unfair and cruel. If I cling to the notion that I'm entitled to life, I'll stand at the ocean And instead of taking in the beauty of it and being reminded of what a gift life is, I will be overwhelmed by the reality that someday I'll be gone and I won't be able to stand here anymore. And so the second reality will destroy my ability to appreciate the gift that life is. But life isn't an entitlement. It's a gift from God. It's all grace. Every moment is an unmerited gift. John Piper posted this statement on uh, uh, Twitter this week. I'm, I'm now on Twitter in addition to Facebook. I have six followers. And uh, here's what John uh, uh, Piper posted on Twitter this week. If you've lived longer than a year, God has delivered you from death 10,000 times. With every breath, you owe him everything. What he's saying here is that every single breath is a gift from God. It's not a right. It's a gift from God. I'm convinced that the experience of life can be transformed when we move from an attitude that says, God, you better give me my next breath to an attitude that says, God, thank you for that breath that you just gave me. And thank you for that one. And that one. And this one. Thank you, God. We need to build a wall. (laughs) That's what someone's phone just hollered out. (laughs) I'm not looking at anybody, but somebody is surfing the internet instead of listening to my sermon. All righty. So our lives are better if we can ever truly embrace life as a gift rather than an entitlement. And that requires us accepting the brevity of life. I'm not really suggesting that we make peace with death, although I might be splitting hairs here a little bit. Death You know, death wasn't supposed to be part of the human experience. Death came because of sin. And so it's not without reason that we dislike the idea of death so much. We weren't made for death. We were made for life. The reality of death should always remind us that things are not the way they're supposed to be. So we don't make peace with death as though it was always meant to be part of our experience But I do believe that we have to make peace with our own mortality. And so we keep in mind that it wasn't supposed to be this way. 
but we accept that it is this way. Death wasn't supposed to be a part of our experience, but it is. And so we don't make peace with death, but we'll help our lives if we do make peace with our own mortality. Here's the realization I believe these two reality of life, uh, realities of life should lead us to. Life is better. Life can be improved when it is appreciated as the gift it is instead of clung to as an entitlement that it is not. Life is better. Life can be improved when it's appreciated as the gift it is instead of being clung to as an entitlement that it is not. This summer, my family and I were given a wonderful gift by one of Michelle's cousins. He gifted us, as well as Michelle's mom and her siblings and their families, with a week in his vacation house in Florida. It was an amazing place. In fact, I want to share a few pictures of it with you. I could stop you in the hall and force you to look at these on my cell phone, but instead I'm just going to put it on the big screen and get all of you at once, all right? And then I'm going to pull out a bunch of pictures of my kids. So uh, settle in. We're going to be here a while. No, I'm just joking. But let's show the first picture of this uh, vacation house. So pretty nice looking place. Uh, This picture actually doesn't do do it justice for how it uh, looked when you pulled up to it, but very nice looking place. But by the time we got to this, we had probably passed, you know, two or three dozen other houses in the neighborhood. And, and from the road, this actually looked like one of the more modest ones, even though it was like a five bedroom, five bathroom uh, house. It was just really kind of, a, kind of an amazing place. You can go on to the next picture. Uh, this is the pool and uh, the scene out the... Uh, the, the back of the house, uh, just absolutely beautiful. You know, the lanai, which most uh, pools in Florida have. So you can go out there day or night, you can swim, a completely bug-free experience, you know, no mosquitoes to deal with. Um, you look out, you see the, the lake, which was just beautiful. You see the boathouse. There's a boat in there that you can use to ski or go tubing on top of the boathouse. Uh, you have uh, a patio area where you can look out over the water uh, to the left, you have the little dock area. There were uh, two uh, wave runners there and a couple of kayaks. Uh, it was really just a, uh, a wonderful setting. So you can go to the next picture. This is looking back on the house from the top of the, the boathouse. Uh, again, it doesn't look that big, but it actually was a pretty large house. Uh, just a very nice setting. You can go to the next picture. So this is... Uh, Uh, My kids and their cousins enjoying the water. You know, alligator-infested waters didn't stop us. We we just went on out there. It actually did hit me uh, a couple of weeks later. So so Michelle's cousin assured us it was fine to go out here and frolic in the alligator-infested waters. And as we were leaving town, I got together with an old friend of our family who's lived in Florida for 30 years, and I told him what we had done, and he said, oh, I'd never get in any water around here. Like, okay. I guess maybe I shouldn't have listened to Michelle's cousin, but, but we, we made it out alive. And um, I don't know if you can see the houses across the way there. I don't know exactly which one, but one of the houses on that opposite bank belonged to Vince Carter, NBA player. So, you know, kind of a, kind of a cool area. Shaquille O'Neal's house was like the next lake over. And uh, so this is a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. You can go to the next one. 
Uh, just another picture of out on the, the water. It was, just a, it, was just a, it was just a great time. And I think there's one more here. And so, wow, isn't that beautiful? Uh, that was uh, like that, I think, most every night. But I think I took this picture the first night we were there. And it was just beautiful. And, you know, looking out on there, I realized what a wonderful, I had two realizations. One, what a wonderful gift Michelle's cousin had given us. But that's the kind of scene there that reminds us what a wonderful gift God has given us uh, with the gift of life. And so uh, it was really just a great time. Now, let me share some facts with you uh, about our time in this house. We had a wonderful time. We thoroughly enjoyed our experience. This house did not belong to us. It belonged to Michelle's cousin. And because it did, we had no right to any time in this house. Whatever time we had in this house was all a gift. He gave us a week in the house. He could have given us a weekend. He could have given us two weeks. He gave us a week. And because it wasn't ours but his, whatever time he gave us, we happily accepted as a gift. If he had given us a weekend, a week, two weeks, it was all a gift. It was all unearned. It was all grace. We had no right to any time with this gift. We enjoyed our week immensely. It was a wonderful gift. It was a great time, but it did not last long. That week went really fast. We would love to have had more time. We would have loved to have stayed another couple of days. We would have loved to have stayed another week or two. With the exception of the rest of Michelle's family being there, we would have loved to live there permanently. <laughs> but that wasn't the gift. The gift was a week. And because we received it as a gift instead of an entitlement, we were thankful for the time and we had zero resentment that we did not have more time. There actually are some family pictures to show you, so let me show you these. <laughs> you can show the first one. That's Michelle's sister, her husband and boys. You can show the next one. It's Michelle's brother, his wife, and their kids. And you can show the next one, the best-looking group in the bunch. That's... Uh, <laughs> That's, you know, you know us. Actually, you can take that down. I'm not that excited about that picture myself. <laughs> but I show you these to, to tell you that these pictures were taken as we were getting ready to leave the house. The week was over. We were getting ready to say goodbye to our week in the house and to our week with each other. Now, I don't know what our expressions communicated to you in those pictures, but let me just tell you it. It had the potential to be a sad moment, but it wasn't a sad moment. It was actually a very nice moment because we all appreciated the gift that had been given to us. It was bittersweet because it was now over, but it was more sweet than bitter because we were so thankful for the time and we were so appreciative of the gift. And for me, this is a metaphor for how we should approach life. Life is God's to give. It's his gift to us. None of us had a right to be born. 
God gave us the gift of life. Some of us are going to get to experience this gift for 90 years or more, like my grandmother's been privileged to. Some of us might only get the average 78 years, and then the reality is that some others of us are going to fall somewhere below the average. But whatever time we get, it was all God's to give. We're not entitled to it. It's God's gift to us. It's all grace. And when our gift of life is coming to an end, if we have viewed it properly, our departure can be much like the departure of my family, Michelle's family, from this vacation house. It'll be bittersweet because we would have liked more time, but it will be more sweet than bitter because we always lived with the realization that it was a gift. That it was all gift and no entitlement. And we can be thankful for the gift of life. Here's another thing that was true as we left that beautiful house in that wonderful week. While we did not know if we would ever have this exact opportunity again, we knew that we would find other times and other places to be together. And this can be true of the gift of life as well. When our time comes and the length of time that we are privileged to possess the gift of life is concluding, when we're needing to say goodbye to those we love and to this wonderful gift of life, we can know that we'll be together again in another time and another place. You see, not only is life a gift from God, but God provides us another gift that supersedes this gift. He gives us life, and then he gives us eternal life. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that there's coming a day when mortality, mortality, this this brief life that we have now, these, these bodies that don't last that long, when mortality will put on immortality. And all of us who had to be subject to the brevity of the gift of life will then become recipients of the gift that God intended from the beginning, the gift of eternal life. And so we're able to let loose of this life, say goodbye to this life, let loose of this gift, Realizing that it's not forever. It's just until we come together again in another time, in another place. God gives each of us the gift of life when he breathes into us the breath of life. You, you get it by being born, but you get the gift of eternal life by being born again. John 3.16 tells us all about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We receive God's gift of eternal life by believing on and receiving Jesus, God's son. You receive the gift of life by being born. The gift of eternal life by being born again. And you can do that today. If you haven't already, you can be born again today. So here's a great way to improve your life this year. Appreciate life 
as the gift that it is. Embrace it as a gift, not an entitlement. Be thankful for every moment. Recognize each breath as a gift from God and then use your brief life on earth to receive the gift of eternal life. My prayer is that all of us would begin experiencing and appreciating life as a gift and that every single person here would use the gift that you have to get the gift that God wants to give you. That you would use this gift of life to receive God's gift of eternal life. Use this gift to get the greater gift. Let's stand. The worship team is going to come and lead us in a closing song or two. I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team to slip up here and be ready to pray for others. But before we give you the opportunity to come up and receive prayer, I really can't preach a message like this and not give people an opportunity to respond and receive Christ as their Savior. And so I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm just going to lead you in a brief prayer. If you're here today and you say, you know, God has been dealing with me for a while. I've, I've been considering receiving Christ as my Savior and I want to do that today. And then if you pray this prayer and say these words or something very similar to them, uh, God will save you today. You can leave here with the gift of eternal life. Uh, secure. You can, you can leave here certain that uh, you're going to spend eternity with Christ. Now, I always like to be clear that these are not magic words. You can pray these words without any connection to what's really going on in your heart, and they accomplish nothing. But if you say these words or something similar to them, and they reflect the reality of your heart, then you can be saved today. So if you want to do that, just pray something like this. Dear Jesus... I recognize my need of you. I admit that I've lived life by my own terms. I know the Bible calls that sin, and I'm sorry for my sin. Today I turn away from my sin. I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I ask you, God, to apply the benefits of what Christ did for me on the cross uh, to my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, purify me, give me a new heart. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. And I commit myself now to give the rest of my life in service to you. To live the rest of my life in obedience to you as you empower me to do so. I thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for your gift of eternal life, and I receive it now.